0: Are you on your way to Vegas right now as you listen to this show? Well, if for some crazy reason you get injured in either California or Nevada, what happens in Vegas doesn't need to stay in Vegas. Sam and Ash Injury Lawyers are the people's attorneys and experts in both states. People, choose the right attorney, please. Sam and Ash have an impeccable track record, huge wins for accident victims, and always take your case all the way, even across state lines. They care. They help and you win the ones to trust if hurt in any sort of accident salmon ash injury law at 1-800-304-2000 that's 1-800-304-2000 or check out salmonashlaw.com ash law.com all right one two three There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. Good evening, Southern California. Welcome back. Can you feel the silver and black? Are you ready to get back on the winning track? Raider Nation, you are on the Southern California leader in local sports talk. That, of course, is the Mightier 1090. And this is Silver and Black tonight. We are the only we're the best, but even if there were others, we'd still be the best. We're the only uh, all Raiders talk show in Southern California from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. You're listening to us talk Raider football. I am scottle Branson, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the man, the, I won't even, he's not a myth. He is reality. He is a national writer of the NFL for Bleacher Report, also a contributor up on VegasSportsToday.com. That is one Mr. Maurice Moten and Mo. Here we are, we're 3-1, and one. we were hoping we'd come back and the Raiders would be undefeated still at 4-0 there with the, with the Arizona Cardinals, but no, they come to Los Angeles, the Chargers get the best of them, the Raiders can't get going in the first half offensively, but it's not the end of the world, is it?
1: No, the sky isn't falling, Scott, I get it, Raiders fans want to win, you want to beat a division rival, that's huge, especially if the Chargers are in the playoff race, but you're three and one. You're facing the Bears team with a rookie quarterback. And I want to say you have a soft schedule, but you have games that you should be in for the next few weeks. So I, I'm not worried about the Raiders. Yes, it's a bump in a row, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. So, yes, there is took a loss, but they can learn from from it. They didn't have a lot of time to look their wounds. They can get back on track against the Bears on
0: Sunday. Absolutely. On tonight's show, we're going to go through a little bit of that Charger game. We're going to talk about uh, what went right, what went wrong, the offense, uh, and also what it means when you look at the AFC West. Clearly, the Raiders now still in a tie technically, although interdivisionally uh, with the AFC West. They are a game behind the Chargers as the Chargers move to 1-0 in the division. The Raiders will have their opportunity to get back at the Chargers Down the road, and they'll they'll start playing um, other defense. Excuse me, other AFC rivals. The Broncos coming up in a few weeks, and then the Chiefs in about five weeks. So uh, that game played huge into that race. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the latest on the injury report for the Raiders. And then later on, we're going to be joined, uh, we're excited about this interview because we want to give you insight into the Bears. We try to do that on all our shows here so that when you go into Sunday Day's game and watching whether you're heading out to Las Vegas right now on the I-15 in that traffic uh, all the way through Barstow and Victorville down towards State Line and pulling into Las Vegas, we're going to talk to Corey Wooten. He's a former Bears defensive end, played with the Bears for five seasons, including uh, finishing up with the Vikings and the Lions. Uh, He is a Big Ten network analyst for college football, as well as the co-host of the Believe in Bears podcast. So we're going to talk to Corey about the Bears. Of course, the big news, Mo, this week, the Bears switched quarterbacks, and that's got implication for the Raiders because they go from – Andy Dalton, uh, the, the the most mobile quarterback in the NFL, not, uh, to Justin Fields, who's an incredible athlete, gives them more opportunity, I think, to create on offense. And so we're going to talk to Corey Wooten about that. But Mo, that was big news. Now, the Raiders' game plan had to change a little bit midweek as they found out the news.
1: Yeah, definitely. You go from preparing to see Justin Fields, maybe a, a few plays here and there, because Matt Nagy did say if any Dalton was healthy, he would be the starter. So you go from, okay, it's Justin Fields going to take a snap here or there to now he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And it's a t- completely different challenge because he's more mobile. He has a bigger arm. We saw that last week. Uh, he uncorked a, a, I believe a 60 plus yard bomb to Darnell Moody. So that's something Rays really are going to have to watch out for. But defensive line, the Raiders defensive line should be looking at shots because he is still a rookie quarterback, still learning the position.
0: Yeah, you can't. I mean, we, 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 we will talk about rookies on the Raiders side because there is some issues there on the offensive line. And why don't we just start there, Mo? Because when you talk about the warts, that is the biggest one right now. It reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite 80, 80s movies, Uncle Buck. Have you seen it, Mo?
1: I may be too young for this, Scott, but go
0: ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that, that, one, that one went right to the heart. Anyway, in the movie Uncle Buck, he goes into the school to talk to uh, one of the kids that he's watching, his nephew, uh, who's having a problem with school. And the this principal has this big mole on her face. And so he starts talking and every other word is like mole, mole, right? Because he can't, he can't, he's fixated on. And so the mole for this Raiders team is this offensive line. We saw it all season long. You and I talked about it on this show. We talked about it on our Las Vegas show as well on Sunday mornings for the last two months that this offensive line was going to be a problem, that they needed to gel, that it was going to have outages. And we saw it all season, including the three wins. But in this fourth game against the Chargers down in Los Angeles on this last past Sunday, it was really on display. Andre James struggled. Alex Leatherwood struggled. Everyone up front struggled, with the exception of Colton Miller. They could not get the running game going, although that Josh Jacobs, even though he wasn't really 100%, uh, still, still popped off a few nice runs. But, Mo, this offensive line could be the biggest limiting factor for this team who wants to and must make the playoffs in 2021.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, I'll put it this way. The Raiders' offensive line is on a different timeline than the Raiders' team. And <laughs> what I mean by that is the expectation for the Raiders right now, Gruden's fourth year, is to make the playoffs, correct? Yep. Yes. Now, the offensive line is in its infancy stages of development. So you have a team that's trying to make the playoffs, but they're being held back. I don't want to say held back, but they have an Achilles Hilling offensive line that has to develop. So they're stuck between. Do we make quick fixes for this offensive line as we're trying to move toward a playoff push, or do we let these young guys develop? And you mentioned Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. What do they have in common? They didn't play their current positions on the <laughs> collegiate level. Andre James was a tackle at UCLA. Alex Leatherwood played right guard and left tackle at Alabama. Well, the Raiders are going to plug them in at center and right tackle. It makes perfect sense, right? Not really. So, if you're surprised by the rough play of James and Leatherwood, I advise you to look at the history and just understand that it's not easy to just move from one position to the next. Uh, it's just, there's just a steeper learning curve there with both those players.
0: You mean, Mo, you couldn't like tomorrow go from writing about the NFL to writing about national <laughs> politics and its implication on economics. I
1: could, but people would not. Like it. <laughs> but <laughs> I get what you're trying. Absolutely get what you're trying to say. And, and just really quick. It's, With Alice Leatherwood moving from left tackle at Alabama to right tackle with the Raiders is just like writing with your other hand Mm -hmm. or a pitcher throwing with his non-dominant hand. It's just – it's not a seamless transition. I think fans – a lot of fans don't understand that, and I understand because they're not football players themselves. Neither am I. But listening to veterans, this is how they – This is how they describe a a transition from the left side of the line to the right side of the line.
0: Yeah, it's like asking a pepperoni pizza guy to do pineapple on his pizza. It's just not right. It's just wrong.
1: It's evil, actually,
0: but. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, but that that's the thing too, and and it, it, it upsets me because look, I watch Alex Leatherwood and I see him struggling. There is no question. I mean, you can see it; it's there. If you watch the tape, it's 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 inevitable that you see where he's making mistakes. It's also inevitable where you see Andre James really falling down. I I had somebody try to argue with me today. Aren't you watching? I am like, yeah, I am watching the game. Are you not watching the game? Because I am seeing it clearly, and it's not it's not just the 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 connection between Carr and James because that's actually gotten better over the last few games, but it's just his ability to block and play the position of center. Uh, And I'm not comparing him to to, to Rodney Hudson. That would not be fair, and I'm not going to do it. And people can say, oh, if we had Rodney Hudson, that's gone. It's done with water under the bridge. You have to look at who you have now. But with Alex Leatherwood, Mo, I'm really getting defensive because, again, I heard after the first year Colton Miller, it's actually the first quarter of the year Colton Miller, I heard that, oh, this guy's a bust. Why did we drafted him too high? This should not be the guy that the Raiders went after. And so now uh, they're doing it again with Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too. I just think that look, you can look at Derek Carr, I mean, what he had done up to that point, and you can for Raider fans that don't like him, you could see some of the tendencies he had in previous years that were not positive. So I understand a little bit of it, but I think again, it's it's far too overdramatic to, to claim that one loss, especially with this early season schedule. I know how much Raider fans hate the Chargers because they're a division rival and how much they love to make fun of them and all that kind of stuff. And, and I get it, right? That's part of the game gamesmanship of being a fan and, and going against uh, teams you don't like. At the same time, the Chargers are good. The Chargers have developed a good team. They have a, a coach who's got a set on him he takes risks and he, he came up with a great game plan, uh, which, he is, you know, obviously uh, uh, he's got his defense dialed in, and they were able to solve what the Raiders had done. Bo, on the other side of the, uh, the of the ball, the Raiders' defense. We we've talked about him in the past. Look, middle of the road is excellent for Raider fans right now because they've not seen middle of the road for a long time. Against the Chargers, the Raiders had some trouble against the run. Uh, they still did well up front pressuring, uh, of course, Justin Herbert, who's, who's got such a good, good arm and a good ability to get out of pressure. But when you look at that defense, um, what's your biggest concern coming out of the Charger game as they get ready to face a Bears team?
1: Two things, and the first thing you mentioned is that run defense going into that Chargers game, giving up 4.8 yards per carry, too many missed tackles for the Raiders, and I think that that's an issue when you are trying to tackle a running back. I said at the beginning of that Chargers game, they're making Austin Eckler look like Ladanian Tomlin. <laughs> that shouldn't ha- it shouldn't happen, and there just too many, just too many, uh, I guess, whiffs on tackles, blown. I guess you would call them blown assignments. But Raiders still have an issue with uh, missed tackles being in the right spot against the run fit.
0: Yeah, and it's weird because they've had some issues with it all season, but it really seemed to pop up against that Chargers team, which I know the Chargers have some good offensive talent, so don't get me wrong, uh, but it just seemed, I mean, you saw Corey Littleton miss tackles. You saw Perryman miss tackles, uh, and it really, really impacted, I think, their, their, their game there, and now you're going to face a Bears team right with Montgomery's out, of course, with the knee injury. So their top running back's gone, but Justin Fields can move around and he can create on the move. And so I think that that, that linebacking core, that second tier of that Raider defense is going to have to be a lot better. You cannot miss tackles, especially when you're facing an athletic quarterback like that.
1: Yeah. And here's the second thing. And I'm sure Raiders fans are with me on this one. Every time Damon Arnett steps on the field, I am concerned. Mm-hmm. And Trayvon Mullen had didn't practice early in the, in the week. And if he's out, if he doesn't play, and does that mean if Damon Arnett is healthy enough? I know he has a groin injury. If he, I'd rather take Amik Robinson over Damon Arnett on the boundary because Amik has shown that he's improved under Gus Bradley and Ron And I think he deserves a shot to be on the outside. I know Raiders fans are worried about, about his height. He's only 5'8", but he did play outside at Louisiana Tech, so I think he should be the next man up over Damon Arnett. If you're picking between the two, I know Keyshawn Nixon also was also back at practice. The Raiders. I don't. I don't know if they've officially brought him back on the roster yet, but he has three weeks to come back. But I think Amik Robertson should be the next guy up on the boundary if Mullen isn't able to go.
0: I think you have to do that, and I think Damon Arnett, who missed practice all week, I don't think he's gonna go. uh, But I don't think he should go. Period. Like I just don't. To your point about Amik Robertson. He has developed. I'm not saying he's perfect yet. I'm not saying he's all the way where he needs to be. Uh, whether he's playing in the slaughter, playing outside where they had to have him do, but against the Chargers coming in in emergency action uh, with with those guys going down, he performed much better than Damon Arnett's performed at any point this year. And so, to me, and I, I'm not trying to be a smart ass with that. I mean, I just mean if you look at how he's played, it's just well because when Damon Arnett misses on the field, he's not missing because he gets beat. He makes a nice play when you're and then you think, oh well geez, here's the athleticism. This is what we expect out of the guy. And then the next play he's completely lost. He's not even near where he should be. And there was a big completion for the Chargers uh, there that was for a touchdown that he was completely lost. He didn't come back to help the safety and guess what? Voila, seven points. And so so I agree with you on that one. They have to be able to do that and not knowing who they're going to have back there at defensive back because of injuries. And that's the thing, Mo. This season, last season, I know we had COVID last season and that added to everything. But this season, too, the Raiders continue to get hit by the injury bug. I mean, it happens a lot on defense. It's happened on the offensive line. But that's why we talked about in the preseason, Mo depth and how important it is. And the Raiders are, I, I believe, are three and one because they built some more depth.
1: Yeah, and we harped on that a lot, and I think that was one of our concerns in certain areas where where's the depth coming from, specifically the offensive line. But sticking with the defense, I, I think they can move some pieces around. I, I believe in Gus Bradley and. Ron Miles. Gus Bradley usually has a pretty solid pass defense. Uh he did talk about Roderick Teemer coming in playing nickel, and he's usually you know he's usually a safety. Uh Hobbs can actually play inside, outside, because he did play outside in college. He's now a solid uh slot cornerback. So you can move some pieces around. So I'm not too worried about the secondary if they have to. Uh again, if you put pressure on Justin Fields, get him off his mark, then you won't have to worry about too many deep shots downfield, but the Raiders are going to have to respect that deep ball because he he does have Allen Robinson. He does have Darnell Mooney on the outside.
0: All right. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little more about where the Raiders played on Monday night down at SoFi stadium. Of course, the lightning delay. Okay, now it's time to bring on my legal team, Sam and Ash, uh, from Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. 1-800-304-2000, whether you're in Nevada or California, going back and forth from California, Nevada, and so on. Make sure you uh, call Sam and Ash, 1-800-304-2000. All right, guys, so the Raiders, unfortunately, their first loss of the season. Of course, Raider fans, Raider Nation, so passionate. And they're dealing with the loss for the first time this season after being so excited. That game down at SoFi Stadium delayed thirty minutes because of lightning. It's 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 kind of it's a dome, but there are sides that are open to it. So the NFL shuts it down. For 30 minutes, delays the kickoff on Monday Night Football. Here's my question for both of you. Um, is that a liability issue because of lightning and and the sides of the stadium open? So technically, I don't know if everybody knows this, but lightning goes sideways. And so is, <laughs> is that an issue for them from a liability standpoint for a business like the NFL where you have, have spectators in a stadium like that?
2: This is not the first building that has open sides <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain every structure in Hawaii is built something like this where you have uh, you know indoor outdoor spaces so the question is what was done to to mitigate against this were there adequate safety measures we've look, mankind's been dealing with lightning from from whenever right <laughs> so we we know it exists and and even though it's LA and the weathers fairly good it, it still doesn't mean that it, it doesn't happen so I'm curious about it. I think it sounds kind of crazy that you'd spend this much money, five plus billion dollars on a stadium and not... Figure out how to protect against
0: us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but that's that's the question I always had too because we all go and now the tickets are digital. So when you used to buy the paper tickets, right? We used to get the tickets, and on the back there was always that waiver, all the legal language that all the legal eagles like you guys uh, go to school and learn how to write up so that so that you protect your business. Um, Ash, with that stuff, those league, all that stuff on the back of the ticket. Is, that, is it kind of like a blanket statement? Does it cover that kind of stuff? So God forbid somebody did get hurt from lightning at SoFi Stadium, the, the team and the league would be clear of any legal responsibility?
3: Oh, that's actually really interesting. If someone got struck by lightning in a stadium, <laughs> could they sue the NFL? Um, probably not. It's an act of God. Um, but if the NFL like played the game and didn't take any steps to protect the players or fans, and as a result, someone got hurt, sure. Then I could see some liability there.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, if they got struck by lightning, you know, maybe maybe they did something to deserve it. Uh, I also
3: need to clarify, I'm not a legal eagle, I'm a legal beagle.
2: Beagle, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused
0: with the Regal Beagle for anybody who's familiar with 70s television. Uh, but but the, the other question too is, and I, I, I know you guys saw this and we, we talk about so many different things with you, but also Coach John Gruden complained about the stadium. It had nothing to do with the lighting, It had to do with the locker room. And I guess the locker room at SoFi Stadium was bizarre. He said, quote, you know the locker room here is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's, it's like a maze. So no matter where you go, you get contorted this visiting locker room. I'd like to meet the guy... And see what his uh, his idea was. And I I thought this was interesting, Ash, because, you know, Sam's Sam's doing some work in his house, as I understand. And I'm wondering if if Sam's going to have some weird mazes in his house.
3: He might, like some <laughs> hidden doors somewhere. I don't know. Well, <laughs>
2: I, I'm building it in downtown, so I want, you know, I want to confuse, room. yeah, confuse the intruders, <laughs> which is, I, I kind of. So
3: lots of roundabouts in the house. Roundabouts, there <laughs> right, you go. Right,
2: uh, all Amer- it's only French intruders that will know their way around. I, I mean, uh, do you think it was designed to mess with visiting teams on purpose?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think, look, you know, you you look for an edge and there's, there's been, there's been examples of that, of teams who've had to go to different facilities and they have to make certain walks and the walk to the locker room is longer. Now there might be other ways to get there, but they don't tell them. And so, so they might make them follow this thing. But you know, what if, what if somebody got hurt in that locker room? Now you're a player in the NFL, you're making all kinds of money. I know people aren't going to feel sorry for you, but from a liability standpoint there too, if bad design, I'm sure you guys have encountered this: If a bad design hurts somebody, how do, how do you do that? How do you represent somebody if if they get hurt walking in a building because it's designed kind of weird?
3: Well, yeah. So if you get hurt in a building for any reason, you want to get a lawyer involved. And they'll look at it whether or not it was unreasonably dangerous mm-hmm. and whether there was some sort of design defect. And that the architect, they they overlook some safety protocols or safety standards regarding height of various doors like putting bollards or like pillars certain distances away from entryways so absolutely but these things are nuanced and so I would just recommend if you get hurt on a premises and you're not sure if there's any liability on them ask a lawyer get them involved and the lawyer can hire experts to to do that kind of back and leg work
2: and by lawyer she means ash (laughs) call ash (laughs) she knows this stuff inside and out actually there's
0: there's, yes there's nobody better and by the way we do want to take a moment to to, uh, wish you Ashley a happy birthday you just had a birthday and we're so glad that you've reached drinking age and you've turned 21 <laughs> um and so so happy birthday from everybody here at the a mightier 1090 and from silver and black tonight
3: oh well thank you guys thank you love it
0: All right. Well, you heard it here from my legal team, Sam and Ash. They care. They help you win because you deserve what's right. So if you're in a crash, call Sam and Ash, 1-800-304-2000. Thank you, Sam and Ash. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Scott. Bye, Scott. All right. When Mo and I come back here on Silver and Black tonight, we're going to be joined by former Chicago Bear Corey Wooten listening to the Silver and Black tonight here on The Mightier 1090. Hey, everybody. Scott Branson here, silver and black tonight. Did you know, Raider Nation, that 90% of the people that get into an accident don't realize that they have rights, justice to be served, and free access to great lawyers? Call Salmon Ash Injury Law at 1-800-304-2000. So much more goes into choosing the right lawyer. The details matter. Salmon Ash Injury Lawyers. More expertise and more caring. It's Salmon Ash Injury Law. Save this number, 1-800-304-2000 very own one 304 2000 or salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Now, back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 Southern California the only all Raiders talk show in Southern California, by the way. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Scott Branson, Mo Moten, and we switch our focus now from what was and what's coming from the Raiders to their opponent this weekend in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. That, of course, is the Chicago Bears. And joining us to talk about that is former Chicago Bear defensive end, Corey Wooten. Corey, played with the Bears and in the NFL through 2015, from 2010 through 2015. He uh, You can see him as an analyst on the Big Ten Network, also on Fox 32 in Chicago. And he also co-hosts the Believe in Bears podcast, which I highly recommend if you want to get to know a little more about the Raiders opponent on Sunday. Corey, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black tonight.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right. Well, let's start in the big news. Of course, this week, uh, Coach Nagy says uh, that on Monday that Andy Dalton's his starter, and then by <laughs> Wednesday it's Justin Fields. Uh, there's a lot of fan talk out there in Chicago about the fact that everyone thinks maybe this was something from the front office forced upon Coach Nagy. But of course, we saw what Justin Fields did against Detroit last weekend. What's the latest there in Chicago? What's the reasoning or the or, or the the informed? thoughts around why this happened and why it happened now
4: you know I, I think a lot of people are, are you know there's, there's kind of a bunch of scenarios I think you know one was they were, they were trying to keep it under wraps which I don't I don't think that's the case I think it was from uh pace I, I think mm-hmm. that was a direct thing he probably told them listen this guy has showcased you know what he can do last week he played he played well uh, didn't light it up but some of the throws and and different reads and things of that nature I mean he made some Hall of Fame type of throws, like certain windows. And the, and the crazy thing is you look at the difference between Bill Laser being able to dial up those plays as opposed to Nagy. So, you know, I think everybody realized that. And up top, I think they were saying, we we got to play this guy. And, uh, you know, Matt Nagy has no choice at this point because I, I feel like before last week's game, he was on the hot seat. You know, I anybody can say anything about whatever, where the Bears don't fire people or but I think he was definitely on the hot seat based on that Browns game because that that was a disappointing offensive performance.
0: No doubt, and I mean, it makes sense though, right? Because you look at, you have this young quarterback you drafted, you spent the draft capital there, uh, amazing athlete coming out of Ohio State. I mean, he, he is a guy that if you're going to draft him, sure, you want to you want to bring him along at the right pace, uh, but if the time is now in Chicago, why not go ahead and do it? And so, and you mentioned Bill Lazor. That was a question I had on my list for you. Uh, the play calling, I mean, not only was it better uh, last weekend with, with Bill Lazor doing it, but also when you have Justin Fields, you can get him under center. That that opens the play action pass a lot more. Also, as you mentioned, Justin Field downfield is amazing. He's got that that arm to get down there. And so it opens up that Bears offense. You know, Andy Dalton's a nice, as I call him, placeholder quarterback. I get why they signed him and, and what the thinking was there. But Justin Fields allows that offense to open up much more, doesn't it?
4: Exactly, and and I, I think the biggest thing was, you know, you look at the week prior, you know, when Matt Nagy was calling the plays, there was no consistency, there was no rhythm in there, mm-hmm. and then you look at the tape from this past week, you know, they were able to get the run game going, and that opened up that play, play action pass. You know, Bill Lazor really kept the Lions' defense off balance, and that's something that the Browns did to the Bears' defense. So it's it's great when you can keep the defense off balance. You know, David Montgomery really went off in that first drive, and they score on two consecutive drives. And you get Justin Fields comfortable. Some hard play-action looks. You get him in some gun situations. You know, you have some rollouts. You have some boots, some sprints. That's where he feels comfortable. And I think Bill Lazor did a great job of putting your young guy in a position to succeed last week.
1: Corey and jumping in here. A lot of quarterback talk. We got a defensive lineman on the show. So let's get to the defense. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Raiders defense has shown significant improvement under Gus Bradley. A lot of that credit goes to the defensive line, which is Rod Marinelli's group. And I know he was your first defensive coordinator with the Bears. Could you tell us anything you learned from him or some of the points he tries to get across to his defensive lineman?
4: Man, he he was one of my my favorite coaches that that I've ever been coached by. I mean, you know, I was talking about it a little bit on the podcast. He really stresses the importance of get-off. And I, I know you guys have probably seen that evident in the first couple of weeks. You know, you guys have a good rotation on the defensive line. You know, Max Crosby, I think he's an up-and-coming star. You know, Solomon Thomas in there. Um, you know, Carl Nassib. Got a really good rotation in there. But Marinelli really stresses the importance of getting off, you know, playing the run well, but being able to get after the passer. And and he, he brings out the best in everybody. You know, I, I think – You know, a guy like Solomon Thomas is going to have a great year this year because, you know, he's one of those lunch pail guys. And the thing is, you know, Marinelli always stresses the importance of effort, you know, and a lot of times in this league, you can get double-digit sacks just off effort. And I think some of the guys on the Raiders' uh, defensive line, Crosby, Thomas, I think those are guys that could get double digits based off their effort. And I think that's the Marinelli effect right there.
1: Yeah, you just mentioned, sacks. the Bears lead the league with 15 of those. I want to ask you for the secret sauce, but how can the Raiders <laughs> neutralize that pass rush? Do they establish the run, use play action, a short passing game, or a combination to keep those guys off balance?
4: I, I think you've got to establish the run because the, the one weak spot of the Bears defense has been their inability to stop the run this year. And, and that's something that we've never seen in the years prior. Um, usually they're, they're able to knock out the run. It's kind of been the pass rush that's been sporadic. This year, the pass rush has been great, but they haven't been able to stop the run. You look at the Browns game, they're re- really able to keep them off balance. And I think that's what they're going to try to do this week. You know, I think, um, you know, Josh Jacobs is back, so I think they're going to try to get him going and then really, really keep these rushers off balance. You know, some screens, some, screen, some draws, things of that nature. But, you know, last week, um, you know, against the Lions, the, the Bears really struggled on third and long situations, getting pressure with just the front four which is surprising to see when you see the amount of sacks they have. In those, you know, third and seven, third and 11 situations, Jared Goff had all day to throw, and they were able to complete a bunch of first downs on there. So, you know, when uh, Sean Desai dialed up that blitz package, you know, he had Roquan one-on-one on a blitz on a running back, and he, he completely dominated him, got the sack. So I look for him this week to, to really dial up that blitz package. because I think that's – situations where, you know, he tries to get home too much with the front four but sometimes you just gotta bring pressure in people's faces.
0: Corey Wooten, former Bears defensive end. He's also an analyst on the Big Ten Network as well as co-host of the Believe in Bears podcast. And, Corey, talking about that defense coming into this Raiders game, a a little banged up. You have Akeem Hicks had a groin injury. Khalil Mack uh, missed some time with ribs and a foot injury. How overall is the health of that defense? You think they're going to be ready to go uh, on Sunday when they get to Las Vegas and, and play the Raiders out in the desert?
4: You know, I, I think I think Khalil Mack will be ready to go. You know, especially against his old team. You know, it's a little a little extra motivation there. You know, Akeem Hicks. That that's that's something I, I really don't know if he's going to play this week. You know, I know the groin injury is is pretty nagging. Um, you know, so I think that's going to be a game time decision. Uh, Gibson, the safety, and there has kind of been banged up with a hamstring. So I guess we'll see this week what he's going to do. But you know, Akeem, Akeem Hicks, if he can't play, that's that's a big X factor for the Bears. You know, I think he's. He's a guy that really sets the tone out there. And sometimes he doesn't always get the credit for, for how valuable he is to that defense. I mean, he plays the run. He takes up two, three blockers at a time. He can pass rush really well. And guys really feed off him and his energy. So I think if he can't play, that's, that's a huge loss for the Bears.
1: So, Corey, I got, a, I got a favor to ask. Uh, do you think you <laughs> could put in a good word with the Bears' front office and send Kalomak back to the Raiders? You know, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so, you know. Because <laughs> the Raiders, too much Raiders definitely tried
0: it. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders, yeah. I'm sure they would like it back. Uh, but, Corey, you know, the, one of the things that, that I look at this team uh, and, and I see what's going on on the defense, and you being a de- former defensive player, I'm going to ask you a question about offensive line, actually, as a defensive player, because one of the things one of the big weaknesses as you know studying for this game coming up and talking about it on the podcast and everything like that is the Raiders struggles on offensive line right now of course Rodney Hudson gone Gabe Jackson gone Richie Incognito injured Denzel Good out with a knee injury after week one Uh, this line is a patchwork and you have Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. Looks like he might move to right guard for the game on Sunday. As a defensive yep. end, going in and playing against, talk about how difficult it is for a rookie to come in and play a position like right tackle in the NFL.
4: Oh, it's extremely tough. And, and you, you look at who you're, who you're going against this week, right? Khalil Mack's going to be mostly on that left side, you know, now that Robert Quinn takes that right side. So I think that's going to be a tough matchup. And then you add the, the added fuel to Khalil Mack playing against his old team, you know, and like they said they didn't need him anymore. So I think he's fired up about that. But it, it's tough, you know. I, I think the the good thing is they're at home, you know, the Raiders, uh, because then you don't have to worry about the crowd noise. But in, in a situation where if it was on the road, that that's a scary matchup against a guy like Khalil Mack. <laughs> so you know, I, I I look for them this week for, for chip health, you know, uh with, with either tight end or, or running back, you know, I think it comes down to game planning. You look at last week you guys really struggled, you know, because Mm -hmm. you were struggling to protect and and guys like Joey Bosa really went off. So hopefully they can help out these tackles. I think the Bears realized that after the Browns game, they kind of had a a poor game. You guys didn't let up as many sacks as they did nine that day. But, you know, I think after that, they realized, hey, you know, we we really have to help out this this patched up O-line, you know, the kind of tackle position is, is up in the air. So. I think the, the game planning is gonna be crucial, you know, keeping them off balance like I said earlier with the screens, the draws, chip help, things of that nature.
1: Just a serious question on Khalil Mack. Um, I, I know he was he's on pace for career high in sacks this year. I know there was some talk between two thousand nineteen and twenty twenty that maybe he wasn't the same dominant player he once wasn't maybe in two thousand eighteen and with the Raiders. Um, do you see something different in him this year or is he just benefiting from a new scheme under Sean Desai?
4: You know, I, I think he's the same player he's always been. Uh, but I think, you know, he didn't have that rusher opposite him. You know, you look mm-hmm. at a few years ago when he first came in, Leonard Floyd was a guy they expected to, to take a huge jump. And he didn't until he left the team and went to the Rams. And then he had double digits last year. And then Robert Quinn comes in last year after 11, 11 and a half sacks the year before. And they're thinking, oh, we really have our two rushers here. Robert Quinn has two sacks. So this year, Robert Quinn is back to the rusher that we know. So you see, Khalil Mack. You you can't double him. You can't triple him. You kind of got to pick your poison. And in my opinion, I I think Robert Quinn has been the better rusher this year. And the surprising thing is he's been playing the run. That's something throughout his career he's never been great at. And in this game, he's been he's been playing the run. He's been he has a different level of burst this year. And I think that's that Khalil Khalil Mack effect. You know, you look at them two, and then Akeem Hicks inside when he's healthy. I I think it's like pick your poison.
0: Yeah, amazing. I mean, they're, they're doing so well, and I, I think that that's going to present a big problem for the Raiders on Sunday uh, to deal with those guys and what they're able to do up front. Corey, question for you on the Bears organization overall. You know, we, we see from the outside, the Bears go out. I, I'm originally a Park Ridge boy. I was born in Park Ridge, so I'm from the area. Uh, and the fact that to think that ever the Bears might move to Arlington Heights is, is, is so weird to me, uh, but they have uh, put in a, a, a purchase on some land out there, and they're threatening or if that's the word to use, to move from the revamped Soldier Field from a few years ago out to the suburbs, out to Arlington Heights, where they can do some some more and have some improvement to a stadium. How serious is that, or do you think that this is at the stage now where the Bears are just getting a little serious uh, so the Chicago Parks District takes them more seriously and actually maybe gives in and gives them a little more of what they want?
4: Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a combination of both. And, and you guys have known, you know, you've heard about Soldier Field and just kind of the negativity that comes with the, the playing surface. I think everybody mm-hmm. and their mother in the league complains about, about mm-hmm. that surface. So, you know, it's, it's not a very fast surface. It's not forgiving for explosive teams. So I think it's an advantage for the Bears. But, you know, I, I think something needs to be done to, to change that field because it's a shame that an NFL field is that way. You know, we, we were so used to it when we played, it really didn't matter. But we were kind of kind of love when we played um, – you know, on the opposing team's, uh, you know, fields, because I feel like it was faster. They took care of everything better. And, you know, like, like you said, it's not owned by the Bears. It's owned by the city. So it's, it's kind of a conflicting thing. But I, I think they're really trying to get the ball rolling. And if they can improve the field, and if not, I think they're, they're serious about possibly going, going somewhere else.
0: Yeah, and that's not something foreign to the Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders are in Las Vegas because the city of Oakland couldn't get anything done, and, and their facility was being run down, too. And and overall, though, the health of the Bears organization, I know the situation with Matt Nagy, of course, uh, as every NFL coach is evaluated by wins and losses. Uh, but overall, kind of what's the mood with the fan base there around what the Bears are trying to build Clearly, the move to Justin Fields this week is exciting for fans because that's about the future. It's about maybe solidifying that quarterback position, which at times the Bears have thought they had figured out, and then it's never worked out quite like they have wanted it to. Uh, but what's the overall mood there in Chicago around the Bears organization and its direction?
4: I think people are excited, especially after the Lions game. You know, I think they needed to see after that Browns game kind of how – how things are going to go game planning wise, Justin Fields. And then they make the official announcement this week. He plays a great game. And, you know, the stats don't woo you or wow you. But when you look at the tape, some of the throws that he had, you know, in certain situations, because the Bears offense really struggled, you know, to, to throw the ball beyond 10 yards, right? They, they A lot of dink and dunks, especially with a guy like Andy Dalton. And, you know, it, it wasn't it was trying to get cute and, and try to protect him. But now they're opening up the offense. And you saw some of these throws, you know, the play calling. You know, Bill Lazor, you know, in the second half, the first drive on there, he had a nice run to Dave Montgomery. Then, then he goes in a gun situation where David Montgomery is the running back. is the quarterback. Darnell Mooney is the running back. And then he pitches it to him. That's a 10-yard gain. And then after that, he do a hard play action fake. And then Justin Fields throws an absolute missile. <laughs> to Allen robinson i mean thread threads the window i mean there's two defenders on there he puts it only where he can get it and then you know later in that drive he throws an absolute missile to darnell mooney and puts it right on the money and the play calling is going but that's that's the different aspect that the bears haven't had in a while the last quarterback to do that is probably jay cutler but i think justin Fields has more accuracy what he can do with his feet and this is only his first year in the league and I think is going to continue expanding that package once he gets comfortable. And you saw in the Lions game, you know, they started out, you know, with some 12-yard throws, 15, and then we saw a 60-yard throw. We saw a 50-yard throw. So it was good to see them really expand that passing package down the field.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him uh, pair up against that improved Raiders defense, but that improved Raiders defense also has some injury issues. So I think it's going to be a, a close game in Las Vegas on Sunday. Corey Wooten, former Chicago Bears defensive end, played in the NFL, too, for the Vikings and the Lions 2010 to 2015. You can catch him on the Believe in Bears podcast. Corey, man, thank you so much for spending time with Mo and I, uh, Mo and I tonight here on Silver and Black tonight.
4: Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
0: All right, there you go, Mo. Uh Corey Wooten, give us a lot there on the Bears and where they're headed. I'll tell you what, this game on Sunday against the Raiders in Las Vegas, um, that Bears defense worries me with the condition uh, of the Raiders offensive line, which we talked, obviously, ad nauseum about in the first segment. But um, it concerns me if they're full strength and if the, the Raiders are going to be able to protect Derek Carr and establish that run.
1: Hey, Scott, give me credit. I tried to talk Corey into giving <laughs> the Raiders a Mac <laughs> back. It didn't work. No, but... it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously uh you're absolutely right especially if you're i don't know if there is actually gonna shuffle the offensive line or, or did alex Underwood just get reps there just yeah. in case but when you're making moves in the offensive line you're facing the team that leads the league in sacks uh that's something to be concerned about um of course on the other side of the ball with the bears they also have a rookie quarterback i know justin Fields showed some improvement between the browns and lions game but he's still a rookie still learning the position uh, and now he has the starting position for the rest of the season, but you got to get to him before he settles in. So I think Gus Bradley can disguise some looks, force him to make him make some mistakes downfield.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's key. You're right on defense for the Raiders. They have to do what they've been doing. I mean, they're a bend but don't break kind of defense overall. They had some outages against the Chargers in the loss, but overall, I think the defense, you know, is it, it, that's how bad Raiders defenses have been. Is when you're middle of the road. <laughs> fans are excited, right? Because it's just not terrible. It's good, much better than it was last year. But offensively, Mo, I can't help but think the key to Sunday's game here is going to be that offensive line, how they can perform, uh, especially if they do move some guys around. But you look at the first three games when the Raiders were 3-0. and The offensive line had plenty of outages. You and I have talked about it on this show over and over again that it was an ongoing concern. But they played well enough to give Derek Carr the time to get the ball downfield and to score points. They have to be able to do that. If we have another game like they have against the Chargers, they could lose it home to the Bears.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely possible. But I've said this before, that the offensive line has to settle in earlier because they've yeah. actually had some decent second halves yes. this year already. It's just that... At the beginning, if they're allowing too much pressure, so Carr can't get settled in. So so some of his passes are off or he has to rush some throws. If they can just get settled in out of the gate, they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Uh, so Okay, so we got about a minute left here before we got to check out for the evening, Mo. Uh, how do you see this one going down? Give me your prediction for the game and uh, how it goes out at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be an ugly one. I still think the Raiders pull it out 23-17, but they're going to have to work for this one. I'm not not saying that they're going to start quick, but... They're going to have to worry about that Bears defense. I think that Bears defense, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, he if he plays, they're going to make it tough.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, a little lower scoring too. Uh, somewhere in the 20s, and I think the Raiders pull it out by a field goal. And I think for all those Raider fans that thought that the world was coming to an end again for a team that's 3-1, and one, by the way, um, you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. I think the Raiders come home. I think that, that crowd... At Allegiant Stadium means a lot to this Raider team, so I like the Raiders. I'm going to take them 21-17 uh, out at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday against the Bears to go to four and one, which is a heck of a start for this Raiders team. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the show, Mo. Again, we just breeze through this hour. It goes so quickly when we talk Raiders football.
1: Yeah, especially when you have a good guest like Coryon and you you try to bribe him and it doesn't work, <laughs> and you go through the keys, it you know it goes by pretty quickly.
0: That's right. All right. For Mo Moat and I am Scott GoBrands, and this has been Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090. Make sure you join us next week here again to talk Raider Nation football. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Take care, Raider Nation. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 a.m. SoCal Sports Talk.